And welcome to this week's edition of the Rising is One podcast. I am Aaron Blau, sitting in for Dominic Kearns, who is currently off studying the bar, trying to make the world a better place by becoming yet another scummy lawyer. Uh, Dom will definitely appreciate that. With me today is Kyle Mack, my, our, our co-host, and special guest Justin Viber for a little bit of color. Justin, would you like to do the reads today? Oh, sure. I thought I was the Dominic Kern guest, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, Kyle, how you doing right now? I'm doing great. You know, it was uh, you know it was a nice little weekend. We had a great little 5:30 early kickoff match, but I mean, such a difficult match. I think uh, I needed yesterday to cool off just after the emotions that were uh, running high in that Rio. Grand Valley match, but yeah, great to be here with both of you guys today. Yeah, definitely a lot of folks that were a little bit hot under the collar in uh, 85 degree temperature and 80 percent humidity over there. Uh, Justin, what's going on in your world? And uh, uh, if you didn't, if you guys don't know, and you probably do because everybody listens to everybody else's podcast, uh, Justin, what's new with the uh, Arizona Soccer Radio? Well. Uh... Aaron, as you probably know, Arizona Soccer Radio is, uh, we're just a, a couple of guys being dudes, you know. Um, we just like to, to mess around. If you guys listened to the last episode that we had, Michael and Christian literally, like, almost killed each other. It was good times. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun little show. We like to get fans on. So if you're interested in coming on, just shoot me a DM on Twitter. And, uh, I mean, yeah, and this weekend, while uh, while I was furniture shopping, I had the, the game up, so I was able to catch a couple winks of it. So hopefully, I can provide some hashtag analysis. Yeah, so let's let's go ahead and get into it uh, on this week's match. You guys are, of course, going to be listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday, probably, as we prepare for for the next match. Uh, we had a, a, our pretty standard starting lineup with Lubin. Dem- Lubin and Goal, Dumbaya, Dia, Farrell, Mala, Musa, Baccaro, Aguinaga, uh, John, Asante, and Kalistri. Uh, interesting that what we did not see in the starting lineup were two players just coming off of a, a national team stint there. So, uh, Kyle, did you have any thoughts? Was that surprising to you that, that especially given the fact that, uh, Lambert saw so little action that they kept Musa in, in uh, as the standard starter there? Kyle, can you hear me? Oh, yep, sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry about okay. that. Uh, I was barking. I had to put it on mute. Um, uh, I, no I worries. Coach Rick just didn't want to tinker with the lineup here. I think, you know, we've, we've done so great for the past eight matches coming up to this match. I think that he just, you know, loved the consistency he'd seen out of this team, and he gave Kalistri and Musa another opportunity Um I don't, I don't think this was, you know, that surprising given that having those two players on the bench um, to come on late, I think that was a huge plus, especially Fleming. For me, I think bringing Fleming on as a substitute just demoralizes the RGB team just with his speed. And Lambert, I think him, he maybe was a little bit more surprising just given that we all kind of are aware that he is looking to be going to the under-23 Olympic squad for Jamaica. So 
kind of surprising that Lambert didn't get as much of a run out, but I still think that, you know, this lineup has been so strong that really there was nothing to mess with here. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So sitting sitting on the bench, uh, Carl Lezinski, uh Bjornsson, A.J. Cochran, Fernandez, Lambert, Flemings, and Spencer, kind of a defensive-heavy uh, heavy group. Uh, interesting to know that uh, Wheeler, Amunu, and uh, Austin Ledbetter both returned to oh, uh, both returned to the FC Tucson squad, uh, joining Ramon Howell and uh, um, and Devin Vega, uh, one of one of Vivers, Vivers' good buddies. Uh, hey Justin, did you ha- you have you were able to see uh, some of the FC Tucson match? Yeah, it was a, a beautiful Ramon Howell five-hole goal right through the keeper's uh, legs. That was um, the lone run-of-play goal that Tucson had. They had a penalty, kind of was able to steal a point from a really hot Lansing United team. No pun intended, but kind of pun intended. Yeah, so uh, I was able to catch a good chunk of the second half of the match, including the penalty, which I still can't figure out why the referee called a penalty. And uh, if you think uh, referees are a little bit rough on the USL championship level, uh, check out the referees on the League One level, because uh, there, there was some def- definite questions going on in that match. Hey, Justin? Yeah, I, I mean, you like pro referees go, they get worse as they go down the table, and, I mean, that just showed itself in that game. And, I mean... Yeah, like the on the on the MLS level, they're not perfect either. But you know, I would kill for uh, an MLS level pro ref at one of our matches just to see if they could call a more fair game. You know. Yeah, we got to we got uh, Justin and I got a chance to hang out with uh, the the referee, the center ref from the championship game in Louisville last year. We happened to run into him at the airport and sat down with him and just chilled. And, and the guy was cool as hell, but. Um, you know, I, I wish I wish we had a few more guys at the USLC and League One level that, that were like this dude. Um, and, and yeah, the guy was so cool. It was a that was a really neat experience. Somebody just happened. Uh, Rob Ashpole happened to see that the guy was wearing a uh, a pro shirt and was like, "Is that the center ref? Go talk to him. Let's go talk to him." <laughs> and uh, that was a good old time. All right, so. Uh, Kind of heading into the game, uh, the first 15, 20, well, really 25 minutes to me were were very plodding, uh, pretty much just as heavy as the air probably was out there. Uh, you know, we're used to play teams coming out to our our side of the world here and dealing with the, the oven-level heat that we have to deal with, but I can't imagine what these guys were dealing with on the field with 85-degree temperatures and 80% humidity. Have you guys ever lived in a place like that? Heck no. I haven't lived. I've only, you know, visited to, a, to very humid climates, and I can just say, you know, it's uh, one of those places that when you go out and you run or do any sort of physical activity, it seems like you just start sweating and dripping immediately, and it, uh Personally, it makes me thankful for this dry heat that we have out here in Arizona. Uh, I'm so thankful for it and uh, appreciative that um, the MLS takes that into such great account that we have a dry heat as opposed to the wet heat that now have three MLS teams playing in or, or will have three MLS teams playing in in, uh, in Texas uh, to R0. But, you know, 
that's the homer in me. What can I say? Uh, not a lot of action going on, although you see pretty much early on that things were a little bit chippy um, with with some fouls given uh, in the fifth minute, the fifteenth minute, the twentieth minute, etc. Uh, our first real major chance to score was Adam John, um, pretty well defended, pretty well defended uh, play RGV here. Uh, John took the, takes the ball up the left hand side. Um, he pretty much has a, a one angle of a shot on it. Couldn't really have the angle to get it across to a streaking Asante um, and, and throws it wide. Um, Kyle, any thoughts on that 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 one? No, I mean, it, you know, it was, a, it was a decent opportunity, and it was one that I think it was a positive sign to see it happen early. Um, I mean, I, I'm always disappointed when we miss those chances just because, I think any time we can get a goal early, especially on the road, it's just it's just a great recipe for success. We weren't successful that time, but, you know, looking into the future, we can see that that connection definitely came together. Yeah, interesting to note, note that uh, Asante, who is usually one who gets fouled, actually picks up a, a yellow a little bit after that, a 30-second minute um, for, for a, a bad foul. Um, Luigi Mala has a handball that's just outside of the box that sets up a uh, um, a uh, kind of kind of a dangerous free kick, but nothing's go- really going on for RGV at this point either. Uh, nothing going on for nothing going on for them. Uh, I really have so few thoughts about the whole first half, other than it just looked such looked like a plotting, somewhat miserable match uh, in terms of. You know, gameplay and uh, it was borderline, maybe not even borderline. Maybe it was just flat out boring. I don't know. What are your thoughts there, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I would say for me, it was you know kind of frustrating because we did have those missed chances, and it was just like we talked about one of those matches where the weather is affecting our team instead of the weather affecting our opponent. Um, so it definitely, you know, was something that I feel like we always see every time we go down to RGV. It's, it can be a sluggish game. They really, you know, like to just kick the ball around and just start, you know, getting physical with their play. A lot of fouls, as we said. But I, I ultimately think, you know, it wasn't the greatest first half of soccer that we played this season. But, you know, it was effective. And being able to go in at halftime, you know, still even, I think that was a good position to be in, given our play in the first half. Yeah, I think that that's probably the, the best case scenario there. Um, in the first half, we had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. There's only really seven seven real shots um, in the first half. So it, it was pretty, pretty. I don't want to say lackluster on our behalf, but it wasn't. It wasn't anything too heavy. We only allowed four of their shots on goal, though. So uh, that that's a pretty uh, you know a, a pretty important statistic for us anyway. Um, Justin, what were you able to see see from the first half? Uh, the first half was one and a half. Uh, I mean, out of two that I really didn't really get to see much of. Um, and honestly, the reason I didn't really make time to sit down and watch the game was because we were going to RGV. And I just, I mean, I mean, watching this team for watching this league for as long as we have, you know, you kind of know what you're going to get. So uh, I, w- I went out with a girlfriend to go furniture shopping. So I was like, yeah, I could just kind of 
peek at the score, pull up the game every now and then, and that's what I did. So, I mean, I don't really have much to add on the first half. Oh, but the question is, were you, did you have a shot on target with the furniture? That's, that's my question. Oh, yeah, actually, two shots on target and two goals. Oh, nice. You're uh, getting to be an adult here, man. That's that's uh, pretty solid. I, I dig it. You know, we're really just getting yeah, serious when there's, when there's furniture involved. Yeah, I wasn't leaving there with a the draw. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So heading into the second heading into the second half here, um, couple extra minutes. I really felt like. Um, this we we started seeing a Phoenix Rising team of maybe uh, 2017. Uh, we were trying to get ourselves involved in a lot of ticky tack fouls, um, some delay tactics, some um, oh shall we call it um, flopping maybe I don't know. It seems like we were trying to do anything that we could um, to you know, give ourselves as much of a, of a break as possible. And unfortunately, just a couple minutes into the second half, um, we see our lack of conditioning in relation to the temperature show up. Uh, in the 53rd minute, um, the ball, ball breaks loose. Ball gets up to Carlos Small, who is, by the way, one hell of a player. Uh, I was really impressed with his performance for RGV. Um, and I think he is he he's a dynamo player. Is that right? I think yeah, so. Have to ask this on that one. I believe yeah. so. I believe he's gotten opportunity. Yeah, I believe he's gotten a few opportunities with with the dynamo. Yeah. but I don't. I know don't see it. I don't see any first team regular per se. Yeah. Anyway, so I was really impressed with his with his physicality and conditioning, and he makes, um, uh, I think it's James Musa, kind of looks silly. Um, Musa tries to come in on a slide about halfway, at the halfway point uh, between the half line and the goal, leaves Carlos Small just with tons and tons of space. Small, for some reason, decides to play it right, um, and allows Joey Farrell to close on him, uh, slide on him, and he still gets a good shot off that goes off of the far post. I mean, this ball should have been in, would have been in nine times out of ten. Um, I think, you know, it just, it, it, it's really an odd play that anybody was able to catch up to him. What were you thinking as this play started off, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was definitely a bad situation from the get-go, you could tell. And, um, I mean, like you said, when he when he took that shot, I was, I was certain that it was going in and we were going to be down 1-0. Um, I mean, Lubin had to, you know, go and kiss that post at the end of the match because that thing absolutely kept the clean sheet for him. I mean, there was, there was no chance he was going to make that stop. So just very fortunate. But, you know, that's what the good teams get. We get lucky when we need it. And, uh, you know, I think that – really, really, you know, was the key for us because we were still in the match. We still had an opportunity to go out and take that lead. And I know this team is very good at playing from behind, but I hate it. I love when we have the opportunity to go out there and get the win. 
um, just straight up. So, you know, very fortunate to not go down there on that Carlos small shot. It was, you know, he, he basically just had an just one extra touch on it, uh, and I don't he saw Farrell close. Um, I think he's like, oh, that guy's, you know, he's a Pennsylvanian. He's slow. You forget about him. Uh, and uh, Farrell was able to close, close and kind of put it, just just get him off of his shot just slightly. Uh, a couple minutes later, in the in the, uh, um, in the uh, 59th minute, they had another great opportunity, uh, a rocket shot that went off of Lubin's hands. I think that was Memo uh, Memo. Uh, yeah, Memo Rodriguez. Kevin, they call him. It's Kevin Rodriguez on here, but they call him Memo, I guess. No, no, that's a. Yeah, no, there's a different guy. There's a Kevin Rodriguez, Rodriguez, and a Memo Rodriguez. Um, uh, so Kevin Rodriguez takes a right-footed shot, just a rocket, uh, really well-placed shot, but Lubin is able to block it off uh, and and push the ball off. Uh, about two minutes later. Phoenix catches him on a on a counter. Ball makes its way through through the midfield, uh, through Aguinaga and Baccaro, finds uh, Sante off on the right hand side, uh, the right hand side, who just kind of throws up um, uh, almost like a hail mary shot, finds it, finds and finds John's head. John heads it. The ball goes off of the top crossbar. Bounces in the goal, bounces back out the goal. Everybody's running, celebrating, and I'm going to myself. Did that ball actually go in? Justin, you saw the highlight. Uh, are, are you with me on my confusion? Uh, I, I would actually wouldn't say I am. I would have been more confused if it wasn't called a goal because uh, it looked like like it hit the crossbar, bounced in, and at worst it settled on the goal like on the goal line but uh I don't think it really bounced out of the goal at any point so I would have been really confused if it was called off honestly well the ball so for it to be a goal it has to go all the way across the line so when I saw it come back yeah. down and settle on the goal line I was like um uh, what happened um and the ball did go off of uh, go off the keeper Derek's uh Derek's hands um and definitely was a, I don't know it was a little bit freaky to me. What about you, pal? You, I mean, yeah, it, it, you know, especially seeing Derek get his hands to it. You know, for a split second, it looks like the ball's almost going to go over the net, but it seems like he palms it up into his crossbar. It bounces down to the ground and bounces up. And for me, that's the clear shot that you see when the ball hits the top of the net. It's completely in the goal. It might be just a sliver inside the top bar, but it's in there, and nonetheless, it's the ref calls it a goal. I mean, this is one of those situations that, you know, you could use that Premier League VAR goal line technology would really be, you know, beneficial. It would no doubt certain times this was a goal, but I think ultimately looking back at the, pre at the replay, we could say it was a goal, but, I mean, yeah, thank God the ref, you know, saw what everyone else saw and, you know, called out a goal because had that been called off, I'm with Justin. I would have been losing it. Um, my TV definitely would have uh, – not been happy with me, I think. And that is eight matches in a row that Solomon Asante either has a goal or an assist. And uh, that's um, it's nine out of the past ten 
or 11 out of the past tw uh, 13. So, I mean, this, this guy is a machine for us, um, and rightly so, wins himself go, uh, wins himself player of the month for the month of June. Uh, Justin, what's your thought as a big supporter here? Well, you guys know me. I love Solomon Asante. Um, just, uh, it's a long time coming. And player of the month is a, is a big, it's a big accomplishment, and especially with how good everyone else is playing, you know, being able to be on that next level, it's uh, it's pretty huge. So uh, I'm really proud of him, and especially you know, coming back after after losing his dad, going to the funeral, having that emotional time, and just turning it up to 11 ever since he's been back. It's been amazing to watch. And as a reminder, I mean, look, you know. People may, there are some people on Twitter that may call him diminutive. And there are some people who really hate when he's called diminutive. <laughs> um, and uh, that person may know who he is. But it's really important to know, Asante's 29 years old. Uh, you know, he he's a really seasoned veteran, but he plays like he's 17. Just, you know, it's just really amazing with what, what he can do on the ball and the effect that he has on the match. Uh, one of the more interesting yeah. effects on the match that I feel that he had was um, he definitely got fouled quite a lot. And that's what, what I was kind of referring to. We had a lot of, you know, movement or a lot of falls to the ground or, or whatever, and there were some not some really bad non-calls by the referee. And then some retaliation that occurred on our on, on our side. Um, I think uh, Kalistri got fouled. It was either Kalistri or Fleming that got fouled, uh, kind of in the, that like 80th minute time period or something like that. Uh, Aguinaga noticed that and pretty much immediately. Um, well, I should Fleming's got no called on a foul. Um, and Aginaga immediately comes up and fouls one of the uh one of the RGV players. And that's not necessarily like the kind of sport that I really enjoy watching. Um that's much more of that baseball sort of you throw at my player, I'm gonna throw at your player, and this is my enforcer for hockey or whatnot. Uh I'm I'm not a big fan of that, especially when it gets Musa card, it gets Aginaga card. Uh, and, and you have the potential to be losing these key players. Justin, what do you, what's your feeling on the role of either the enforcer or the reminder or whatever you want to call it? The guy, the guy who either comes at, comes at the player who fouled or the guy who runs at the ref and gets in his, gets in his face and starts yelling. Uh, well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a hockey, I'm a kind of a hockey guy learning it, how to get into it. Um, so I, I love the enforcer role, honestly. I think it's, it's badass that someone will stand up for someone else like that. Uh, I don't like it when it's directed towards the ref because that's just asking for a card. But, uh, if you get in some other player's face and you tell them, hey, do that shit again, see what happens, you know, it just, it fires up the fans and, uh, it fires up the players around you, you know. And it just kind of adds that little extra bit of heat to the game where maybe later on a player will do something they wouldn't normally do just because they're just flowing testosterone, you know? I just, I just love watching it. I like, I like when Joey Farrell does that shit in the, on the back line. 
he's like, no, you you guys aren't messing with me or my boys. <laughs> he's, he he can be a little tough in there. Todd, uh, do you disagree with me? Agree agree with whatever? What's what's up with you? I mean, there's there's a time and a place. I think most definitely. I mean, um, I think every one of us wanted to be an enforcer when we watched Weston McKinney get choked out in the Gold Cup final. Yeah. So, I mean, th- there's there's definitely a time and a place. How do they miss that? I, I, I mean, oh, the ref was blind. That's how. <laughs> and, and you that have VR. Yeah. No, they don't. <laughs> But I, I have I have a little bit of a problem with Aguinaga doing it just because he doesn't fit the enforcer role as far as his body type. Musa, I mean, Musa, you know, he's that guy. He's roaming the midfield. Aguinaga, he's much more of a finesse player. For me, I think, you know, just his Spanish blood got to him. He's a very fiery, passionate player. And, you know, in a match like that, late in the match, we're only up 1-0. The fouls aren't going our way. I mean, I think, you know, the moment just got to him. I mean, it's definitely, you know, a silly yellow to take, but he's also a player who I don't see getting any yellow cards. So if this is just a one-off, then I'll let it slide. Are you saying that you don't think that a guy that's that's 5'8 is intimidating? You know, I'm 5'8. Don't talk down on us, short king, all right? (laughs) Yeah, the three of us are not really ones to talk. No, you see no, that video no. of the bagel guy getting his butt handed to him at the, at the shop? Oh, that was about to be Aguinaga that night. He just wanted some locks. Give me some locks and some schmear and leave me alone. Um, all right. So, uh, you know, my pro- my thing is is I'm I'm co- always concerned. We get late in these matches, especially when we're we're playing a, a team that's you know sort of we'll call it lower table, um, and somebody picks up a knock, you know, from from something that's retaliatory. And we've already seen, we've had some bad history with, with Rigi twice, with Rooney, um, with 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 Jason Johnson, actually, who all, all three of those guys, I think, were injured in non-contact uh, cases, you know. <laughs> start adding in contact cases here and and something that's a little bit purposeful. I just don't want to lose somebody for half of the season uh just to prove a point. That that's my my biggest concern. I guess I'm kind of a wimp in that regard. Um the ticky tack stuff is going on and on as as we're getting through the match here. Um to the point that even though they put on four minutes of extra time, uh they actually the the center ref decides he's going to add on about 120 minutes of extra time uh, is what it felt like. Uh, but in the midst of all of this, um, right – oh, uh, I forget at what point it was. About, I think, the 93rd minute, something like that. Uh, the ball gets played up, played up and over uh, Flemings. Flemings has an open field pretty much from the half line all the way to the goal with everybody behind him and he's he's off to the races and there's just a really bad slide challenge on uh Memo uh, Memo Rodriguez I believe is who who that was and he's shown a yellow a yellow card for taking a player down with an open field 
from, taking him down from behind, and they only show him a yellow. Now, look, I understand. I mean, the, the match is close to over at that point, but it's a dangerous play. You got a guy coming from behind. To me, that's a red card all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. Kyle, tell me you were yelling at your screen when you saw this. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, this was, you know, we talked about the refs having some, you know, lapses of judgment, and this was absolutely one of them. I mean, like you said, any other day, if this takes place, you know, in the 70th minute earlier on in a match, it's preventing a goal-scoring opportunity. You're the last man back. That is that is a red card. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really was, you know, one of those head-scratching, you know, moments and just, you know, another little, you know, just, gasoline on the fire that this ref was really stoking on Saturday night. I mean, it, it just seemed like these little things, you know, just kept adding up, and it, it really was frustrating because, you know, we were still so close in this match. It was very tight margins that a red card or, you know, an injury could have made a huge difference. And the worst part of it all is he gets fouled, he does a roll, he rolls, he gets back up, and he keeps running, and you were, you're thinking – continuation, continuation, continue, continuation. Referee should be holding out both of his arms, pointing forward, and saying, okay, I'll come back to the yellow card or red card at some other point. You keep running. Instead of swallowing his whistle, which he's done a ton of times earlier in the night uh, with a ton of other fouls, he blows the whistle and stops, stops the run of play. I mean, there's just some... It was just some crap, man. I mean, I can't, I can't figure out what the hell was going on in this match. Um, just a really weird deal. Um, if you look at the um, the chalkboard on USL.com for this for all the matches has a match center. It has a chalkboard where you can see certain events and whatnot. Um, and if you look at the chalkboard for discipline, the thing lights up. Um, starting at, a, I don't know, about the 60th minute uh, with foul after foul after foul on their players, and as well as ours. I mean, we're, Phoenix Rising was not uh, was not immune to calling these fouls either. Um, but it, it was chippy, 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 chippy. Not not a lot of fun when you're a guy like me who's just a nervous little Jewish guy who, who uh, is worried about injuries. Either way, after about seven uh, seven minutes of extra time, game is over. Phoenix Rising wins one nothing over Rio Grande Valley. That is our first victory in uh, HEB Park, where Rio, where RGV is so tough, so difficult to win there. Uh, it's taken us, you know, a couple of years here to actually get a win, um, and here we're able to pull away with three more points. Tacking on our club record, nine consecutive wins, uh, and really looking to, to attack, I believe it's the FC Cincinnati record for consecutive wins for the USL. How happy were you when you saw this result, Justin? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what were you thinking as you saw this result? Was it relief? Was it joy that, uh, you know... Calm confidence. <laughs> it was a mix of all of the above because, again, we kind of knew what we were getting into going into that park. It was going to be a tough game. No matter how good we are, we're going to have problems there as long as they play the way they play. Um, 
And seeing the first win there is it feels pretty good, you know? Like they're not a rival by any stretch of the means, but it feels good to 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 take one to them, you know? And uh it I think it'll it'll go a long way with the guys that we've had for a couple of years who know what it's like to play there. You know, they'll probably feel pretty good about themselves. And uh it's a good way to get Junior and Lambert back into the into the groove of things, you know? So the tough one at them. It's just it's really nice to get the the monkey off our back in terms of uh three straight draws down there as you know, in our recent travels down there as well. Uh what are your thoughts, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, just huge to get the win. I mean, I think, I believe it's 2017 where uh, Rising was up 1-0 and gives away a late penalty and uh, ends up, you know, drawing 1-1 with RGB. So this really was a big win just, yeah, by the fact that we were able to go down there. You know, it's a long trip. They talked about it on the broadcast. You fly to Dallas, and then you drive another five hours to get down to, I think, believe it's Edinburgh, Texas. So, I mean, it is a long trip. These players will be so glad to have, you know, this match done for. They won't have to worry about this away day. And I believe this is the end of our, you know, matchups with RGV this season. Possibly see them in playoffs if they make a late push, but it doesn't look like it. So, you know, we're done with the Toros for the year, and we can move on and focus on new opponents. Um, for me, I mean, yeah, this is just, you know, another game down, but really we need to focus on this next week. We have so much coming up, so much on the line in this match against Austin Bold on Friday. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so that leads us in. Uh, we'll hit the preview in just a few minutes here. Um, but everything that we're uh, everything that we're doing seems to be hitting right. Uh, we're sitting at 38 points now. Uh, we're really starting to see some separation between first and tenth, um, and then uh, you know letting, letting everybody sort of weed themselves out. Uh, as they decide if they're a playoff team or a not enough team. Uh, do you guys have any other final thoughts before we move on to team news? No. No from me. All right. Excellent. Um, so I already mentioned the first big news uh, that Solomon Asante uh, earned a player of the month uh, for his June performance where he had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven goals, and one, two, three, four, four assists. Seven goals and three assists in um, in the stretch going from uh, June 7th to June 29th. A uh, couple, couple of home games, a couple of away games in there. Uh, you know, and, and not, you know, not the hardest competition in there, Tulsa, Orange County, but we faced a, a, a upper table Reno. We fa- faced a well-performing or a, been well-performing at different times of the year, OKC, and of course the big win against Portland Timbers, who at the time that we faced them uh, was ranked second in the conference. So this guy has shown up like crazy. And I just don't know, I mean, he he is the magic man. That's all that can be said. That, that's what that that's my opinion. This, this guy creates magic on the field. Um, he's doing everything right, and thank God for him. <laughs> uh, Kyle, any thoughts about about Mr. Asante? No, no. I mean, you said it, and Justin mentioned it earlier. Since he's come back from Ghana for his, you know, father's 
funeral or at least burial. Um, I think I think that it was, you know, it's just been nothing but class from Asante, and he's really shown, you know, why he's the player of the month. And for my money, he's got to be in the MVP conversation. Um, just, you know, the the amount that he's contributed to this team, 12 goals and 10 assists on the season, I don't see any other player having that big of an impact um, in the USL. I mean, the guy's just on fire. Another interesting thing is uh, in this this particular match with his assist, uh, his assist on the John goal, he hits double digits for assists. So he is now double digits for goals and assists, uh, the, the double-double, um, and, you know, continues to create create chances and play well in the field. I do have... You know, I, I have to be contrarian at, at times, right? You know, they, they have there's an old Yiddish proverb that if you get two Jews in the conversation, that you'll have three opinions. So I will say that it's a little bit, you know, all right. So he's a goal, he's the Golden Boot uh, leader right now. Is he still? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I'm pretty sure he's the Golden Boot leader, right? But he's got, but he does have five PKs. So okay. is that an asterisk to you? Not at all. I mean, you still gotta you still gotta put those in, right? A goal's a goal. I mean, it's how you win the game. For me, it's not. It's, it doesn't matter how you get them. Yeah. That's you. You are right there. You, you, you do have to play. I think he has two uh, two misses on attempts earlier in the season too. So can you imagine if he would have put those in? Was it, uh, he definitely had one one that got blocked? But was it one or two? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, you know what? It's yeah. He's got six uh, five goals on six assists. So he only missed one. Um, but you know, I gotta find something. I, I gotta try to pretend to be a, a little bit of a journalist here, um, and say, well, look, you know, of his twelve goals, five of them are PKs. Um, one of, you know, one or two of them we think he should have let somebody else take. But you know, that that that's still that'll be an argument for the ages here, whether or not he should have let uh, Dia take uh, take the PK the other the other night. Um, yeah. Also. Also in team news, and this is kind of bigger news. I'm not sure how how huge this is, but uh, we pick up a defender today. Um, just today, announced, and it had been rumored, but we we picked up this uh, picked up Corey Whalen. Uh, this is seems to be a very talented young player. Uh, a lot of excitement about him uh, uh, over the years. He actually was was signed by Liverpool. At nine years of age, uh, what do you guys know about Corey? Uh, I know nothing about Corey other than that he came from Liverpool, and uh, I think he only has like, as far as U23 appearances, he only has two yellow cards, which is always nice. You know, you don't want him to be a card machine. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I really, I haven't, you know, seen too much on him, you know, other than just the article that I read. It seems like, you know, he's, he's came up through the Liverpool Academy, definitely has to have, you know, good habits within him, knows what it's like to be a professional. Um, for me, I think this, you know, just 
screams Rambo connection. You've got to think that Peter Ramage, you know, was pulling these strings and was able to, you know, have the connections to work this out. Um, and, and, I mean, we, you know, it was mentioned that this just solidifies our right-back position. Dumbuya's, you know, just been amazing for us, and I think we all agree that he's made strides, huge strides since he came into the fold. First couple matches, I think people were questioning his ability. But, uh, I mean, this just adds depth, and really for me, I mean, this is what we're going to need, another defender to have on the bench. Um, as playoffs come knocking, you know, this is a very long season. We're going to have to rotate guys, and having a right back to rotate in is, is going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, so some stats on Corey here. He's 21 years old out of Chester, England. Um, he he came up through the Liverpool system. Um, he's got starts on the, the, the Ireland U, U17 and uh, Ireland U21 team. Uh Played in the Liverpool system, but never actually played on on the senior squad. Played on their U23 squad, and actually was a captain on the U23 squad. Uh, they, he uh, signed a new contract with the club in December of 17. He was released about a year later, um, but and has played for teams called Yowville Town and Crew Alexandria. Not team I'm super familiar with. Um, I don't know if you guys are. No. Yeah, no. I mean, from what I know, um, Crew Alexandria is in, like, the fourth division in England. So uh, definitely a lower-level side. But, you know, at, at this age, I think that the fact that he was getting minutes is important. And, um, I mean, I, you have to say that him being a captain of the U23 Liverpool side has to bode well. Definitely shows he's got some leadership qualities, which is you know, something that I think is really important for defenders to have. Yeah, right on. Yeah, uh, Yaoville Town is the uh, was a League Two. Uh, went to Crew Alexander, which is which is. I'm sorry, Yaoville Town is the fifth fifth tier in the English system. Then he moved up to League Two, which is the fourth tier, and then now he's over playing Division Two in in uh, uh, in America. So you know, it'll be nice to see his. Um, his development, and especially under the leadership of Ramage, uh, and, and being able to, to give us just some more depth, uh, especially at that right-back position, uh, and, and possibly center-back. I don't know how tall he is. Uh, let's take a look and see if there's a statistic. Uh, I, yeah, I don't see any stats on how tall he is, but I have a feeling that he may be able to rotate in as center-back uh, as well as right-back. Yeah, I was uh, actually I was talking to a friend earlier. This is kind of like a a win-win for us. There's no way that we lose in this deal, other than if he really, really doesn't pan out. But I mean, so we pick up this young guy who we can kind of develop and have our say in how he's developed, you know, with our coaches. And if he's good, he can he can start in a couple of weeks. But if he's not, like we we're still set with our starters. We have really good starters right now. Um. And I was actually talking to John McPherson earlier, and we were kind of like, I don't know. It's like, so we have two types of center backs right now with Mala and Cochran, and then you got Farrell. Mala and Cochran are very similar in the sense that they're, they're just kind of like bulldogs, I like to compare them to. And then Farrell is kind of like, I don't want to say Farrell is a cleaner one, but for some reason, you can't put two bulldogs together. Does that make any sense? That's totally. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, like, this guy, say Farrell picks up a red or 
knock on wood, gets, gets injured or something, maybe this guy can be the one that steps into Farrell's spot, and then we don't have to deal with having Mala and Cochran on the field at once. Does that, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I, he'll probably have some good tutelage with A.J. Cochran as a mentor there, too. Um, I'm really interested to see, you know, Cochran get rotated in. Um, but uh, Rick seems to really be high on Luigi Mala lately, um, especially because he started the season and he and he was not very high on him. Um, and and well, Mala's had a couple little mistakes here or there, but nothing to, to jeopardize us too terribly badly. I love how Mala's been playing lately. I, yeah. I actually went into the season saying Farrell was going to be our most improved over the season, but I think Mala is actually fighting him for that spot right now. Yeah, Mala has definitely um, made improvements. I think last season we saw very good glimpses and it just lacked consistency, but, I mean, this year he's been able to step up and, I really, you know, was worried about him in that third center back role. I know he wants to be out there and be a starter every week, but he's adjusted perfectly and he's gotten this opportunity. And yeah, I mean, he's definitely made, you know, an argument for him to be in the eleven every night. He, he's fighting for it for sure, and, and it's it, it is good to watch. Um, I was thinking earlier today about how hard these guys must work in practice because, you know. Rick only plays them if if they practice well. And when you have really talented guys pushing you and you know that you need to take two more reps of a barbell. Um see how much I don't Justin, you're the you're the guy who just got out of the gym, so you know about working out way more than I do. But you know, yeah I I I'm gonna run one more lap, I'm gonna take one more bench press, I'm gonna do one more leg lift. I'm going to do whatever. I got to do one more than that guy in order to make sure I stay on the field. And he knows that you're trying to do the same thing. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's really good if, if there's good catchery that these guys are pushing each other. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, just, I wouldn't call it a proverb, but I'm, I'm trying to be like Aaron here, but uh, there's a little saying in, uh, amongst me and my friends, like, if I if I do one more rep than you every week for a year, oh shit, I'm bad at math. I shouldn't have backed myself into this corner. I do X amount more reps than you over the course of the year. Oh, that was a good thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, great great point. Um, all right, let's move on to to some league news. Let's talk about some real news, and then we're going to talk about some fake league news um, in a second that this, that's more fun. Real league news, uh, while since it's the last time we were able to come together on the podcast, we have our two USL teams, um, uh, St. Louis FC, who I don't like, um, and New Mexico, uh, who bounce out of the um, bounce out of the U.S. Open Cup. New Mexico literally bounced out of the new the the Open Cup. I believe that was a six to one. Is it, was that a six to one driving, guys? Yeah, yeah. You like yeah, to see so, it. Uh, I didn't actually watch. Did you guys watch any of it? Heck no. No, no, I did not. Um, I, I was you know checking the score on my phone and. I saw that, you know, New Mexico had gone up, actually, through Santi Moore in the seventh minute. And then I believe, like, 
three or four minutes later, um, Minnesota United scored, and if, if I'm correct, I think it was like 4-1 by halftime. So, I mean, they started off, you know, looking great and probably gave their traveling fans a lot of hope, but unfortunately, you know, the dream ended in Minnesota for New Mexico United, and uh, you still got to give them props, though. I mean, to, to make the run they did, it was very impressive, um, but, I mean, you have to say it comes at a cost to their league form. And I would love to thank the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open uh, for utterly destroying New Mexico United's run of play, who they were in first as as they started their cup run, and now they are currently sitting at ninth in the division, um, and they are on the playoff bubble with 26 points. Uh, so we'll see if if uh, they they got spent or not, or if they're going to be able to uh, sort of rebound. Luckily, with 13,000 fans still showing up to every match, uh, I think that they're going to end up being fine. Uh, St. Louis St. Louis puts up a goose egg against the MLS Cup winners. No, I'm at MLS Cup runners-up, uh, Atlanta United. Um, when you're playing against... They did win the cup. Okay, that's right. They did win the cup. They, uh, the uh, MLS Cup winners from last year. When you're going up, uh, guys with the last name of Martinez, whether it's Gonzalo Martinez or jo- or Joseph Martinez, uh, you're gonna have a bad night. Um, and only three shots on target. Twenty nine percent possession for St. Louis. That's it. They barely touched the ball. 245 passes to Atlanta, 606 six passes. Um, Atlanta or St. Louis was just way, way overmatched in the quarterfinal. Uh, sets up the semifinal for the Open Cup, Orlando City against Atlanta, and then Minnesota United against Portland. Uh, the first match, Orlando Atlanta, uh, and Atlanta, is going to be on the 6th of August. The following night is going to be the Minnesota United and Portland match. Uh, at 5 p.m. So a uh, couple things to watch if you're interested in, in uh, the ending of the U.S. Open. But since the U.S. all teams are out, most of us probably aren't that interested. Yeah, and now it's just a couple extra MLS games that we don't give a shit about. Yeah. Um, speaking of not being interested... I definitely, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the fact that uh, FC Arizona, the NPSL squad here uh, that plays at Mesa High School, uh, did win their region quarterfinal, uh, their, their region semifinal match on uh, this upcoming Saturday at 7:30. FC Arizona will be playing ASC uh, San Diego. That's um, Albion Soccer Club San Diego, uh, 7.30 p.m. at Mesa High School. This is the NPSL Western Region Finals. So the winner of the regional finals will make, will go to the national tournament. Uh, they did go to the national tournament two seasons ago uh, after falling in the, I believe, sem- the, the quarterfinal of last year's Western Region playoffs. So good on FC Arizona to continue playing. Uh, Cesar Mejia of uh, Arizona won the 2019 Golden Boot for all of NPSL uh, with 18 goals. 
they continue to sign players as well as they prepare for this Founders Cup tournament, which um, is still scheduled to occur, though teams seem to be falling out of it. Uh, there was supposed yeah. to be, I think. Aaron, do you think that's going to happen? You know, if you want my hot take on this, I, I can't see that this is going to happen because I think they only have three or f- they only have three or four teams in the Western Conference and only three or four teams in the Eastern Conference at this point. Um, and I, I think it's going to be really cost prohibitive. So unless teams like Detroit City, which, by the way, they pl- they actually put their games on, on online for viewing. And they had like 10,000 people at their playoff match a couple nights ago. So unless teams like Detroit City and uh, and the New York Cosmos are going to be really significantly um, underwriting travel of, of like brand new inaugural season Napa Valley team and Cal FC and ASC San Diego, I just don't see this happening. Um, Oakland Roots is on their way out of it. Um, Cal, Cal, Stri- Cal United Strikers is out of it. So, I mean, they still have Chattanooga, who I think is rumored to be maybe moved to Nisa. Detroit City, Miami, Miami United. My, oh, Miami FC is moving to Nisa as well. So, yeah, it, they're going to have maybe five teams in each conference for this Founders Cup tournament that they're trying to make a Founders Cup season for next year. Uh, I think that they have a really hard road to hoe. Really, really tough. Yeah. And if they do have this first year, I don't think that they hold another one. It has the potential to be just really huge financial losses, at least for the um, – uh, at least for the West Coast teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're seeing it, you know, in USL League One. Um, just, you know, that kind of travel, it can be a nightmare. And, it, you know, it, it takes a toll on the teams, too. I, I would feel like, you know, you just see a lot of the road teams just be at a huge disadvantage. And uh, it, it, I think the product would struggle as a result of it. It just, it's, I think it's going to be a hard sell. And just keep in mind, if you happen to catch any of this action um, or with anything that happens with NISA, uh, former Phoenix Rising player Devontae DuBose is involved with the Oakland Roots. Um, I don't know about anybody, anybody on anybody else's teams, but I do follow DuBose, and he's he's involved with the Roots and, and doing some good things out there. Uh, so that's a cool deal. Cool deal. All right, uh, let's move to – because – we have, because uh, Kyle has to get to bed. Uh, I'm keeping him up late tonight. Uh, we'll move to scores and standings here. Um, in the Western Conference on Friday the 12th, Salt Lake City dr- put a drubbing on Tacoma Defiance. Uh, I happen to catch any of that uh, that particular match, but that's they certainly look like they got lit up there. Uh, in, in that match, maybe Salt Lake City is going to end up having a um, an improved run of play compared to what they had before. Uh, Michael Chang with a goal, Douglas Pinas, uh with a with a hat trick, 
um, and then Jack Blake uh, putting the icing on the cake um, to to make that five to nothing against uh, the lowly Tacoma Defiance. Colorado Springs put one up on Tulsa. That's all, all that they needed to to pick up three points. Austin puts up heat to OC's two. Um, Austin has been up and down. This is the team that, that I think, uh, well, obviously it's the team we play next. Uh, so they are kind of an interesting team. Um, Andre Lima scores. Sean McFarland scores. And then Chris Tierpak. Uh, so it's it's 2-2 going in the 90th minute. Chris Tierpak scores at 90-plus-2 uh, to finish the game out. And... and and take three points out of the hands of, of Orange County. Uh, Orange County. Uh, that that might be a highlight uh, to watch. Tier Pack running around with his uh, with his concussion helmet on uh, puts a hail mary boot that was just kind of thrown up in the mixer, bounces it into the goal, uh, nice and open, and uh, Austin wins three to two over Orange County who continues a really not great play as well. Uh, did you guys catch any of those matches? I saw the highlights of the of the Austin Bowl game, and, um, I mean, I'll just say that, you know, they're, they're definitely going to be riding some momentum after, you know, getting that late winner against Orange County. So it's going to be a team that's going to feel good about themselves coming in. But, uh, no, I didn't see any of the other matches that you brought up. Yeah, and, and uh, interesting in that match, they did sit Sonny Gu- uh, Guadarrama, who I think typically starts um, either that or um, uh, uh, Kleber and Promise, uh, Isaac Promise, have exceeded him. I'm not sure. Uh, he definitely figured into a lot of early uh, early matches. Uh, Fresno puts up two on New Mexico United, uh, who uh, who struggles to get one goal in that that particular match. Um, I think it'd be interesting, like I said earlier, it's going to be interesting to see if New Mexico can, can get themselves going again. Um, Fresno is able to pick up an early penalty. Um, Justin Schmidt then ties it up off of an assist by Santi Moore. And then Michael, and then just after the first half, Michael Daly in, in, in the 48th minute scores off of Juan Pablo Capas. And, uh, that's all she wrote for the, uh, Fresno match there. Uh, and then finishing up, Sacco beats Timbers 2, one to nothing, and that is it for this week's matches. Not a lot of really heavy, heavy matchups there. Uh, the Austin game, of course, is really big, really a huge win for Austin because uh, they are sitting in fourth. Uh, Western Conference standing, we said Phoenix Rising with 38 points, Fresno with 34 then Reno, followed by Austin. Portland Timbers and El Paso are tied at 28 points. Real Monarch in, in seventh place, uh, followed by Sacramento Republic, New Mexico, and, and OKC. Those three teams all stuck at 26 points, just above the playoff line. Any of these teams going to fall below the line, guys? Uh, I'd like to see New Mexico fall, but that's for purely personal reasons. Um, I think 
if we're talking West Coast, uh, I don't know. I think OKC is going to keep falling. Las Vegas is probably going to get a little bit better down the stretch. And Orange County can probably turn it back around. They'll be rising. As far as the East Coast goes, um, Charlotte seems to be, like, slowly climbing up. Uh, St. Louis is rapidly falling down. They'll probably keep falling maybe a couple spots as uh, Birmingham starts to heat up a bit and Hartford may, might go for a run. But I don't know. Yeah, that that Eastern Conference is a little bit interesting and with with some players kind of falling in and out of form. Uh, St. Louis, of course, I hope falls to 18th in our not only in conference standings but <laughs> but in, in uh, you know MLS expansion standings. Uh, they're going to get all high on them. But yes, St. Louis is. They they are winless in their last in their last five matches, three losses and two draws. Um, so they have definitely are not taking advantage of this midseason uh, to to work themselves up. In fact, there's only uh, well yeah there's a couple teams with like three wins in in the past five, but there's a lot of mixture in the Eastern Conference versus in the Western Conference. Phoenix Rising five green Ws. Fresno, four green Ws. Uh, Reno, four out of five wins. Uh, Austin, they are, they have one loss in their last five matches. But Real Monarchs, surprisingly enough, uh, are also undefeated in their past five. So, uh, I, if I'm looking at conferences trying to say which one's the most competitive conference, I, I'm gonna say the Western Conference. The only question is, are we gonna kill each other before we head in, into the national finals, uh, where the, Eastern Conference is to have uh, the West's uh, the West's number for sure. Yeah, that's. I mean, it, it, for me, the key is just going to be that home field advantage. If, if you know the team in the West at the top of the West can finish with the most points, I think uh, you know you'll have a good chance because I think any team that has to travel east for a Cup final, uh, I mean, we've seen it. It's just it's a difficult journey. It was cold, man. Justin saved my Justin saved my hands. Justin got me gloves. You know, didn't get me gloves. I would be I, I, I would be fingerless uh, at this point because it, it was freaking cold. Um, and I think Mon got us got us hand warmers. Thank God for Monica McPherson. Yeah. All right. So you know I didn't mention it, but the guys that are below the line of the Western Conference are Las Vegas, LA, and Orange County. Um, they're kind of in striking distance of where the line is. Uh, below that, San Antonio seems to be falling off. Although uh, former former Phoenix Rising player Billy Forbes uh, did did kind of get off the Schneid and, and uh, have a goal in the la- in their last match, uh, and then kind of you know stuck in the stuck in the basement, probably not to return. Rio Grande Valley, Tulsa Roughnecks, Switchbacks, and I think we're going to have to put a bet on whether Tacoma Defiance is able to get 20 points by the end of the season. Um, those guys work hard, but they are negative 35 goal differential. I mean, that is wicked. Wicked, wicked. Um, yeah, even being a two-team, that's got to be tough to see. You just feel bad. I mean, my, my Bubby, my Bubba... Uh, my my Russian grandmother's you know she always she always rooted for the underdog. So whenever I see stuff like this, I'm like, 
uh, you know, I think we had that conversation. You know, uh, should the should the USA women have put up so many goals on the on on Thai on the Thailand team? And I think that's probably the the Jewish bubby inside of me coming out. But they're working so hard. They've worked so hard. Just to get cut them a little slack. <laughs> uh, that's how I play small goal soccer too. <laughs> Never knows that. <laughs> All right, guys, come on. We're here to have a little fun. Let me let me try to shoot from here and just move away from that. Um, oh, yeah. All right, well, I think that's it for this episode of the Rising of the Wolves is one podcast. Uh, hit us with some closing thoughts. What's on your What's on your mind that you need to get off of it, Kyle, before you hit the sack? You know, I really I think that you know this. Break was one that I think a lot of us, you know, looking back at recent history, we haven't come off of two-week breaks the best. I think, you know, this was a good match. It wasn't the best match we've had all season, but it was a solid result against a very tough opponent and a difficult place to play, and, and we keep moving. Um, I mean, I, I said it earlier, this Friday night match against Austin Bowles, I mean, this is going to be the match of the season so far against the top four team with the chance to tie the USL record for wins. we got to keep the dollar beer night streak alive. And, I mean, this is going to be the only match we have at home till I believe, August 10th. So, nice little break that we'll have from the heat. Everyone's got to get out to this match on Friday. I think, you know, this is just going to be such an electric atmosphere and a match that I'm really looking forward to. I mean, we beat the other team that beat us this season in Orange County. Now we get a chance to beat Austin, too, and right all those wrongs. So, really just looking forward to this week. And what about you, Vera? Uh, I think everybody needs to be there. No excuses. Uh, come out and sweat. Uh, let's let's make a run. Yeah, let's let's win this thing. Let's get to November already, or whenever it is. I think it's October now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, well, it might go an extra week. Be, yeah, it might go an extra week uh, because they added the extra. Um, the extra uh, the extra deals here. So, yeah, as we as we head into Austin, you know, guys to look out for Andre Lehman, Chris Tierpak with eight goals and uh, five goals respectively. Um, the Brazilian Clever with four falls up. Uh, so their their top three scores has eight, five, and four. After that, it, it's Sean McFarland with two goals and you know a couple other guys. So not a real high scoring Austin uh, Austin team. But you know that they can score timely, uh, as what we were able to see. Rest here, pack. Uh, Sean McFarland is their assist leader. He only has three assists in the whole, the whole season, and he and he is their assist leader. So yeah, that that's a little bit um, kind of a little bit of a of a misnomer um, of why these guys are being so successful. I don't know if it's on their defensive end or, or not. Uh, they do rack up a lot of yellow cards. They have 39 yellow cards on the on the season, uh, only two reds. So <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna keep our eyes open and, and uh, take a look at these guys. They have one, two, three, four, five guys who've had yellow cards who have, who have each served uh, uh, one game suspensions for yellow card accumulation. So it's gonna be another chippy match, just like what we were able to see in uh, at RGV. But it's going to be a dry heat, except for all of the beer that's going to be thrown in the air from scoring so many goals. How do you like that? I love it. So uh, make sure to come out uh, Friday's match, Dollar Beer Night, 730. 
we'll keep cool by making sure we're all soaked in $1 beer night. I hear we're going to have an appearance from the Bud Light Knight, uh, who's going to come out uh, and, and be uh, knighting all of you or knight all of us um, in in full regalia. So that'll be kind of cool until he passes out uh, from from being under the weight of, of all of his armor. Uh, it's going to be a great match. Hey, if, uh, if Howler didn't pass out, I'm sure the night will be fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll see you guys all on Friday for Phoenix Rising versus Austin Bold. Uprising. Uprising.